Hey, this is Connecticut Voice Podcast with Kion Wolf. I'm Kion Wolf. Andrea Yearwood is an award-winning track athlete. She's also been challenged off the track because she's a member of the transgender community. Some people don't think it's fair that she compete among cis female runners, that her gender identity in this context presents an advantage that keeps other athletes from scholarships. Connecticut is one of 17 states that allow transgender high school athletes to compete based on their gender identity. And Yearwood has both thrived and paid a price for committing to the track. It's a lot for a young person to deal with. And at the same time, there's so much more to her than what goes on around her running shoes. I started off by asking her when she knew she was different than other kids. Maybe like fifth grade. When I was younger, around first grade, I believe, I would wear princess dresses for like Halloween and things like that. And then in first grade, I had brought like a princess backpack to school at one time and then fifth grade I had brought some like pink or purple colored boots well I think that's when I found out like that what I was doing what I had been doing wasn't I guess the norm at that point but I don't think I ever really stopped if that makes sense like I didn't let me being different hinder me from doing what I wanted did you have anybody that you saw in popular culture or in your personal life who made you feel like, this is who I am, I, I understand? No. I don't remember looking up to anyone necessarily as like an idol or anything. So that's, I mean, that's impressive. I think about like when, when I was younger and I was coming out as a lesbian, I had a few people I could look to to be like, oh, I'm not, I'm not the first to go through this, you know what I mean? Mm. I can relate to that. I do have an aunt and an uncle who are both gay. So, yes, I guess look up to them in a sense, knowing that, as you said, like, I'm not the only one. Like, there are other people who are like me, yes. When you knew that you were different in terms of how you felt about your gender, how did you talk to your family about what you were going through? I remember texting my mom and dad, saying to them that, oh, I came out as gay in around sixth grade and they were very supportive of it um were you surprised that they were supportive or that made sense because of just who they are i don't think i was surprised i was obviously nervous and i guess there was a little part of me that was afraid that they weren't going to be but like once they were i was like yeah like it makes sense and then about a year or two later i came out as transgender and again i wasn't surprised that they were supportive like it was what i thought was gonna be the outcome well and what about your friends? Did they, I mean, when you when you think about your friends, you think they've seen you grow. You know, they've seen you struggle. You probably talk to them about things you probably don't even talk to your family about. Mm-hmm. So were your friends, was it like a conversation, I'm telling my friends, or did they already sort of know? I think they already sort of knew. But I still felt the need to tell them anyway, which I did. But again, like, they were all very supportive. And I didn't, like, lose any friends because of it or anything like that. They all stayed by my side and help me in ways that they could. Will you tell me about how you picked your name? Yes. Okay, again, from my perspective, because I have friends who tell me, like, oh, I hope you picked it out, or oh, I hope you picked it out, so I'm not really sure who <laughs> helped me pick out my name. But I remember being in, like, my old room here and sitting on FaceTime with a friend, and we were going through names, and I liked the name Andrea. But there was a teacher, my middle school teacher, whose name was also Andrea, but her name was spelled A-N-D-R-E-A. And I didn't want people to mispronounce that as, like, Andrea or other ways of pronunciation. So I decided to spell my name how it sounded, 
or how I wanted to how I wanted it to sound, and I chose A and D or A Y A. What did it feel like when you started using that name? I felt very relieved and very excited that people were like starting to accept who I am, starting to again support me even more than they already had been. It's so amazing to me. I'm almost forty, and I think about. I grew up in Farmington, and it was a pretty accepting school, but I'm listening to you, and I'm so impressed. It makes me feel like we're making progress faster than I thought. Also, when you when you read articles and you see headlines, it's often bad news. It's yes. hard that things that are hard to stomach, and so that's what sticks out, and so you think, oh, we haven't made any progress, but it's cool. I love that you've been surrounded by people who care about you and who see you for yourself and in the ways that you are yourself and love you for you that's like the best thing you could hope for yes i'm very grateful for it okay track what brought you to track i think i just needed a sport to play and in middle school seventh to eighth grade and i just continued it through high school were you really good at it right away or did it take some time no tell Um, me about how you got better well at first it wasn't like a sport that I really wanted to do. It's like, I'll just do it like just because, like, why not? So, not that I didn't want to get better. I just didn't have, like, a drive to get better. So I just did it just to do it. And then I think up until around high school, like, freshman year and, and up, I thought this is really what I wanted to do and this is really a sport that I wanted to play. And so from that, I have just continued to perfect, like, my form and my drive and things like that. Was there a moment that you realized, huh, I'm really good at this? Um, I think when I won my first um state title in freshman year, yeah. Congratulations. Thank what you. was it in? The 100-meter dash and 200-meter dash in outdoor. I think that's when I was like, oh, like, yeah, I'm really good at this. Like, I should really pursue this. Yeah, it was like a really eye-opening moment for me. So when you started, were you running alongside male runners? Uh, yes, in middle school, 7th and 8th grade. I was running along, like, you know, the male on the male team. And then going into high school, they had told me that if I wanted to be seen as a female within the school, I also had to do the same within sports. Oh. So then the sports that I played, I would have to be on like, the female team and do, like, feminine sports, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. throughout high school. So you had a meeting with the administration? Yes, yes. And you were like, okay, this is me, yeah. and how do I, how do we do this? So the school is like, all right, if this is how you present and this yes. is what you'd like, then you're going to run with the female runners. Yes, yes. How was that like when you first started? Here you are, you're used to being in the locker room with other boys, okay. and now you are on this track with girls. How did they receive you? Everyone was very supportive again. No one said anything like rude or negative to me. Everyone just treated me like I was another girl on the team. And same like in the locker room and in the bathroom and things like that. Were you dominating the sport then? Or were you trying to catch up to some of the other girls on the team? Um, I think I was dominating it then. I know I don't want to sound like cocky. But like, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess I was like dominating the sport at that time, yes. How long after you started running with the girls did things start getting difficult in terms of the outside world? I think when the article came out about from the Hartford Current, which was the first article I'd ever, I had ever done, just like the 
comments were very negative and things like that. Will you tell me what the article was about? Oh, yes, of course. It was just about me running track and, like, winning the races on the girls' team and just my experience with that. And, again, I said the comments were very negative. I just think that's where where it all started. When you click view comments, Mm -hmm. you know, like, you know you're playing with fire. What makes you want to read the comments? I guess it's talking about me. Like, I want to read if you have to say about me and what I'm doing. I don't know. It's just you who have to say, like, see, they're, like, solutions to this problem or anything like that. Did anybody ever say anything to your face at that point? At that point, yeah, it was just comments. But, like, as high school progressed, like, yeah, people have said, said things directly to me, yeah. So then someone came up with uh, the idea for a petition. Mm-hmm. And what did they want? I think they wanted, I guess, me to start running on the girls' track team. What, did they offer any solutions, alternatives? Or was it just, you're on the wrong side, get back on the boys' team? Yeah, I think that's what it was, yeah. Is that when you started hearing more uh, objections from other people? Like on the track, in real life? Or did it stay basically online? Yeah, and what you said online, I've only overheard them. Like, no one has ever said anything to me, to my face, about me not running on the girls' track team. But I've overheard someone, like, in one incident. What was that like? I was, like, shocked, I think. I was walking to get my bib number for my for my lane to run on the 100-meter dash, and I was walking past them, and this is during outdoor track. I had heard them saying, like, oh, like, he shouldn't be running with the girls, like, you know, things like that. And so I, like, turn around to face them, and then one of the ladies trying to face me. And we were looking at each other, and then she was saying it, like, to me. I don't know, I think I was, like, look, staring at her, and I turned around and walked away. It's been a while since that happened, yeah. and you've probably had a lot of time to think about it. Yeah. It's funny, when you, when you have any kind of confrontation happen, it's like, in the moment... You don't maybe say the right thing. You don't say anything at all. And then you go to bed that night. You're like, you know what I should have said? I know you've thought about it. Like, what if you could go back? What would you have said? I think I would have said, I'm still running. Like, no matter what you say or no matter what you think. Like, I'm still running on the girls' track team. And I am. I think I would just feel like I'm still running and then walked away. I don't know. Yeah. If you were able to talk to someone who's a lot like you, who's coming up, who's trying to figure out how to navigate life on the track in this amazing, challenging country. From where you are now, what advice or what wisdom or what encouragement would you give someone who's a lot like you? I think they just keep your head high and like just... Don't, like, listen to what, other, obviously, the haters say and, like, what obviously people who don't want you to run say. Like, at the end of the day, it's your life. It's your choice. If you want to run track, then go run track. Like, what other people say has nothing to do with you doing what you want to do. So I would say, like, just don't listen to people who don't want to see you be great. That goes for everybody. Exactly. What do you think people either don't get about where you're coming from as a transgender athlete? What are they misunderstanding? Like, where are people getting caught? They don't see you as a woman, and you are. Do you think that's where they get caught up? Where do you put your finger on, like, where people are confused? I think they're confused about why I'm running track. Mm -hmm. Like, some people have said that, like, I'm running track 
just to win medals and just to like get first place or anything like that. But that's not the case. Like I run track because I love this sport. And I think that's where they get hung up on. I found this really interesting article. I think you, you may have seen it too. There's a wrestler in Texas. Yes, yes. Mac Beggs. Yes. 19-year-old transgender boy. He wrestles girls. So in Connecticut, Connecticut law says you want to run, you want to be an athlete, you run on the team that matches your gender identity. Whereas yes. Texas is like, sorry, doesn't matter how you present, you have to compete on the team that matches your birth certificate. And so Mac Beggs in Texas is a transgender boy who's wrestling girls. And he doesn't want to. He wants to wrestle boys. And it's also really interesting to think about people's base premise are men are stronger, more capable, faster than women, which isn't true. Put the Yukon women up to the Yukon men (laughs) and we'll see who wins, right? And there's even there's a there's a boxer, Clarissa Shields, who is a middleweight champion and she wants to be fighting men just because she thinks she can she can do it. And there are some sports where they compete based on ability alone. There are some people who are suggesting like, well, why not when it comes to sports, why are we looking at gender anyway? Why are we looking at sex anyway? We should be looking at ability. How do you feel about the idea of people competing based solely on their ability? I don't know. I think it would have raised a lot of assumptions or stereotypes about gender or sex, my bad, and how sex plays in the sports. So I think it would like erase a lot of that. And I think it would give, like you said, like women who want to compete against men, like a lot of the challenge that they want. I think I think it'd be better for people. There's been a lot of really high points in your career so far. Yes. Will you talk about the first one that comes to mind? I think New Balance Nationals. Tell me about it. I don't know anything about um, it. Oh, okay. Um, well, it's essentially just like all the fastest people in the country go to run at this one place. It's for indoor and outdoor, both indoor and outdoor track. And they just race each other. It's like the fastest place on earth, I've heard. But yeah, I was able to compete there. How'd you do? Uh, not as well as I wanted to. <laughs> but I'm just glad that I was able to go and I got the chance to experience it. And hopefully I can do the same for outdoor this year. Will you explain the difference between indoor and outdoor besides the yes. fact that they're indoor and outdoor? First of all, um, in indoor, so on a normal, on a typical track, for, normally for outdoor, the, the track is 400 meters long. But in indoor, the track is 200 meters long, so half of what half of the 400. So that would mean like for like the mile, instead of running four laps on the regular track, you have to run around like eight laps on the indoor track. For outdoor, it's only a curve and a straight, but then for the indoor, it's two curves. So it's just like a lot of different running, I think, style. Instead of running like all those curves for indoor and then running only that curve and a straight for outdoor, I think it's just different running styles. And then, again, different events. Yeah, that's really the only difference. Will you take me to right before the gunshot goes off or the tone goes off for you to run? So when you've got, you've gotten enough sleep the night before, you ate right. What do you eat before a meet, before competition? I think it depends on when the competition is. Like if it's on like a weekday or a weekday, yes, I have like lunch. Well, I don't really eat anything specific. I just eat whatever I can. And then, but during my meets, I don't really eat anything. Because I think I just get nervous. 
And then other times just feel like, oh, like if I eat this, I'll throw it back up. Like, so I just don't eat anything throughout the day or like throughout that meat. Yeah. All right. So it's time to go. You got your shoes laced up. You've got your bib. Yeah. You're on the squishy track. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got your feet on the blocks. What's going through your head usually? What's on your mind those moments before go? Keep my head down. Make sure I like push out of the blocks. Keep my drive phase long enough. And then accelerate and just execute the race. So you only know your own self, but when I think about like if I was if I was like attached to your shoulder somehow and just like going for the ride, I'd think, oh, this is so fast and so cool. So can you put into words what it feels like to fly down the track? Exhilarating, I think. And yeah, I don't really feel anything when I'm running. I just like keep telling myself like tips in my head, like keep your legs up, keep move your arms, like keep your knees up. Turnover quick, quicker, make your turnover quicker. But yeah, I think it feels exciting. And when you are approaching the finish, is it the same thing? Just execute, execute, execute. Is there, when you're approaching the line, do you push harder? I mean, what what is going through your head towards the end of a race? Yes, I think I do push harder when I get to the line because I want to, you know, beat whoever's in front of me or beat the clock, get best, get my best time. I think it depends on if there's someone, like, if there's someone right next to me, I have to, like, lean forward to get whatever place, to get in front of that person. But then sometimes if there isn't, then I'll just run through it. And, like, there's no really necessary to lean. But I think it just depends on, like, how the race is going at that time. Do you think that running against people who are right on your tail make you, makes you go faster and maybe improves your overall time? Whereas if you weren't challenged, then you wouldn't go as fast? Most definitely, yes. Um, maybe I do it subconsciously, but sometimes when I'm, like, in the lead or, like, when there's there's no one, like, in my immediate surroundings, I'll, like, slow down a bit because I know I'm in the lead and because I know I don't have to, like, try as hard because I'm in the lead already. So I think I do that subconsciously when I'm running. But then if I know there's someone in front of me or if I know there's someone right next to me, then, yeah, I will push myself to get harder to beat that person. It's totally a metaphor for life, too. <laughs> so how old are you now? Seventeen. What's your dream when it comes to running track? I think it would be very cool to go to the Olympics. To just, you know, have that experience to be able to run there. How do you get to the Olympics? I mean, you train. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but there are certain times that you have to qualify in. So, like for the 100-meter dash, which is my best event, I have to run 11.15 seconds. To qualify for the Olympics, and then you have to do that in a certain amount of time frame. So, like, from one date to another date, and that's all I know. For now. now. Who are some runners who you totally look up to and love? Sydney McLaughlin, who's a 400-meter hurdler runner. runner. She just went pro last year, I think. Allison Felix. And, yeah, oh, Gabby Thomas. I asked you earlier to sort of send a message and advice to younger people who might be like you who are just navigating this world and this world is crazy enough for anybody so i want you to flip it i want you to send a message to your older self to your older self who just arrived at the olympic village what would you say to that version of yourself i'd say like be happy because i've heard some athletes saying that like running has some of them have 
focused on like training and just like focused on the goal for their future not like really worried about the present and i just want to make sure that i you know focus on the present not just get not get too stressed about what i'm doing make sure that i still like love what i'm doing not doing it just for a medal or something like that if that makes sense like, i just want to do it because i love the love the sport not because i have to i'm officially a member of the media and I am talking to you, and you've invited me into your house. Thank you. Media is also really scary and intense. In terms of dealing with the media, what's that been like? Have they been fair? Have they been so much fun? <laughs> or something else? Um, yes, I think at times it can be very intense. Um, but I just choose to not worry about it. Like whatever, like all this, all the things I was saying, they're still like over a screen, and like for example, there was this one video that was titled "How to Stop Andrea Yord from Running Track for Three More Years" because that was my freshman year running, and I watched the video and it was like, okay, like <laughs> this doesn't mean anything, and it still doesn't because as a junior in high school, I'm still running track as a female athlete, so I think I, I just think that all the stuff that people say on social media. Not that it doesn't mean anything, but like to me it doesn't mean anything directly because I'm still running, I'm still doing what I want to do, while they are still just hating on what I'm doing, if that makes sense. Yeah. Was there ever a point where you thought, you know what, it's not worth it, I'm walking away? From track? Yeah. No. Because again, I just don't think what people were saying really affected me that much. I really didn't care about it that much. To quit track, like, it's, to me... What they were saying, it just didn't have that much of an effect on me. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Thank you. Thank you. Andrea Yearwood and Terry Miller, another Connecticut track star who's trans, were co-recipients of the 2019 Bob Casey Courage Award by the Connecticut Sports Writers Alliance, and they were the 2019 Action Award honorees at Athlete Allies Annual Awards Night. They were also a part of the award-winning documentary Changing the Game, which won the 2019 Audience Award for Best Documentary Feature at Outfest in Los Angeles. Go ahead, Andrea and Terry. Thank you for listening to Connecticut Voice Podcast with Kyone Wolf. If you like this show, subscribe to it. And please share this episode on your social medias. And leaving us a review really helps the algorithm gods float us to the top. Check out Connecticut Voice Magazine for more great interviews and photos. And sign up to get your free subscription at ctvoicemag.com. This podcast is always made possible by Connecticut Voice Magazine and by me. My production company is at kionewolf.com, where you can see all the other shows and goodies I've got for you, and you can sign up for my newsletter. Find me on the Twitters and the Instas at kionewolf, and on the Facebooks at Wolf Productions. All right, thank you for listening. Bye.